turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome back to the Bruce Hooley Show. I'm Jack Windsor filling in for Bruce. Thank you for listening. Just a reminder, you can call at any time during the show if you have a question for any of our guests or me, or if you just want to say hi. 844-825-5989. That's 844-825-5989. Yesterday, I talked with GOP candidate for U.S. Senate, Bernie Marino. You can hear that if you missed it at 989theanswer.com. Tomorrow, I'll have Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose, and later today, U.S. Congressman Warren Davidson. Now, LaRose and Davidson are rumored to be looking closely at that 24 U.S. Senate race. With that being said, I want to bring in GOP strategist Bob Clegg to discuss that race for the upper chamber and the bid for the White House. Welcome, Bob Clegg, hey, to the Bruce Hooley Show. How are you? I'm super fantastic. How are you doing, man? I'm, I am doing really well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Bob, that 22 GOP primary, it was expensive, about yeah. $65 million, I think. Oh, yeah. Ha- had about as many candidates as a football defense and was <laughs> really messy. Now, that Trump endorsement yep. of J.D. Vance seemed to seal the deal for J.D. Do you yep. think the GOP field will be as large in 24 and who do you see getting into that race yeah i don't think it's going to be quite as large as that but i could easily see it becoming a at least a four-person race um for you know credible strong candidate race um there could be some others that you know hop in just to hop in but you know i think at, at, at this point right now um yeah i think we're looking at least four credible candidates for that and and that's going to you know, once again, in a, in a, a field that large, mm-hmm. a Trump endorsement could be very big again. So you said a four-person race. Right now we have Matt Dolan. We have mm-hmm. Bernie Marino. Who else do you yep. think is going to throw his or her hat in the ring? Well, people you just mentioned, uh, I think Frank LaRose, our Secretary of State here in Ohio, is, is very serious about looking at it i don't know if he's gonna you know jump in or not but i i think right now he's seriously looking at it and warren davidson a congressman from southwest ohio um, i think he's very serious about it too there are some rumors out there that davidson may be backed by club for growth and club for growth is a organization that tends to spend a lot of money in primaries so that could be a game changer too if he jumps in and is backed by club for growth now, I'm, I'm probably going to go a little too deep in the weeds here. So, you know, sure. pull me out if I do. But yeah. just looking at those candidates, right, there may be more, there may be less. Sure. But I think about Matt Dolan and I think about the Cleveland Indians and then, you know, the Dolan Wokies, yeah. excuse me, the, the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, yeah. And, you know, does that hurt him? And I look at somebody like Frank LaRose, probably great name recognition. Now, mm-hmm. Warren Davidson is probably, when I think about Second Amendment, pro-life, fiscally conservative. He seems mm-hmm. to check all the boxes. Um, Bernie Moreno, now he bowed out of that 22 race after yeah. talking with Trump. And I asked him yesterday and he was a little coy about it and said, no, 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 
I, I Trump didn't promise to endorse me in 24 if I got out. I, we just thought that the best candidate that could win yeah. um, needed to be supported. Uh, who, who do you think has the poll position in that race right now? You know, it, it, right now, it's, it, it, I think, a free-for-all, to be honest. I mean, until we know for sure who all is going to be running, mm-hmm. it's kind of tough to, to figure out, you know, who, who's going to be ahead. Um, you know, it, 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 they, they each have their advantages. Um, you know, both Dolan and Marino have the ability to self-bond, which is really important. Okay. Why is that important? Um, Explain to our listeners why that's important. I think I get well, it. Well, but... I mean, the, to win in a primary, you got to spend a lot of money. I mean, okay. you got to be on TV. You got to be able to get your message across. You got to be able to give the message across about your opponents. Um, it takes a. I mean, Ohio's not a cheap uh, state as far as uh, you know media markets. We have three major media markets: Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Columbus. But then you also have minor markets that aren't that cheap either, like Toledo and, and Dayton. Um, you know, it, 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 it takes a lot of money to run statewide in, in Ohio. So um, when you don't have to worry about fundraising that much, where your time isn't all taken up with fundraising because you're using your own money to fund your race, that gives you a lot more time to campaign. And uh, because in this day and age in politics, Fundraising is the most important thing, and it takes up the most amount of time of a candidate. Yeah, so that, just being self-funders gives them a step up on everybody else that may or may not, you know, uh, get in this race. So I want to get to the race for the White House in just a minute, but I want to ask okay. one more question. I think we talked about what? this at one other time. I uh-huh. think about Ohio politics, and I think about, you know, Durable brands. Mike DeWine is certainly near the mm-hmm. top, but my goodness, yep. Sherrod Brown and Mike DeWine both seem to be <laughs> have been in office for about as long as I've been alive. Well, actually, Sherrod's been in office longer than Mike. <laughs> Holy smokes! Well, Mike DeWine started in, as Green County prosecutor in 1976, yep. the year I was born. So Sherrod yeah. has and has Sherrod probably never signed elected, the front of a paycheck. Sherrod got elected to the state uh, as state rep back in 1972. Holy Toledo. And yeah. uh, that's interesting. Well, you know, that might be part of what's wrong, but uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to editorialize that too much. It, it, is Sherrod beatable? Well, Jack, you're happen, happening to, to talk to the campaign manager that managed the only campaign that defeated Sherrod Brown in his whole political career. So I would answer yes. Uh, I did Bob Taft's campaign when he ran against Sherrod for secretary of state and um we beat him um you know if you look at his record i mean it's not in a line it doesn't align to what people here in ohio think and want i mean he's an old school liberal mm-hmm. i mean literally you know I, it, it was 19 he graduated from yale in 1972 and then a few months later got elected to the state house right he's never had a real job um that he would have any kind of experience about business or any of that, or even, or even being able to relate to the ordinary worker out there that's making, you know, 12 bucks an hour. Yeah. Um, I can agree with that. Yeah. Uh, no, he's totally beatable. And I think, you know, if we, if Jim Renacci had run a better campaign back in 2018, I think he could have beat, um, I think he could have beat, uh, Sherrod. Well, I, that's interesting. I'd forgotten about the, the Bob Taft campaign, and 
your work on that. You know, Sherrod is from the place that I live. He's from Mansfield, Ohio. He kind of yeah. uses that as gravelly voices, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. button up and rolls well, his sleeves up. Until he didn't. That's right. He, when he went shopping around for a congressional district. So, yeah. and then he moved, you know, all over the place when, when he was in Congress. So, whatever. We, we have just a couple minutes left, uh, actually okay. about a minute and a half. Let's talk the White House. Uh, obviously, sure. Donald Trump. Ron yep. DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy yep. is about as impressive as they get. Yeah, uh, great, great, great personal story. Uh, incredible. I, actually, we'll yep. have him on tomorrow, and I can't wait to oh, hear good. from him again. How yep. do you see this shaking out? Is Donald Trump beatable in the primary? I feel like he wins the primary going away, loses the general. Uh, yep. Do you see it differently? No, um, I think if, if you know, if Trump's going to be all in on this, I think. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to win. I, I, it, the determining factor in that's going to be how many other people have jumped into that race. Because once again, if it's like 2016, where you know you had how many candidates running, um, Trump's going to win in a in a multi-candidate field. Yep. In a head-to-head, like a Ron DeSantis versus Donald Trump, the whole way. Mm, I don't. You know that that would be a little bit more interesting. I, I don't know if I could say for sure or not whether he could win a head-to-head like that. But in a multi-candidate field where you have four or five or six candidates, yeah, I think I think he prevails. His base of support in the party is such that he will always have that base, mm-hmm. and it's enough to win in a multi-candidate field. But do you feel like he's alienated independent voters? I mean, he'd have to carry Michigan. He'd have to carry Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia. Is that even possible? About 10 seconds here. Yeah. I I, I said in 2016, Hillary Clinton was the only Democrat Trump could beat. And in 2020, Trump was the only Republican Biden could beat. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Orange man bad. I mean, when you have such a failed record like Joe Biden, all you have to do is stand up, make people angry and say, orange man, orange man bad. I'm good, yeah. you know. And there are people come out and they'll vote for Biden no matter whether he's, um, you know, lucid or not. He's Bob Clegg. He's a GOP strategist, and we are grateful that he joined us today on 98.9 FM, The Answer. Bob, thanks for being with us. Welcome back to The Bruce Hooley Show. I'm Jack Windsor filling in for Bruce. That over there is Jeff Murtall. Alan Rogers, producing the show. Thank you, gentlemen. The Ohio flat tax plan continues to be debated. 18 of 22 economists at colleges and universities across the state, polled by Scioto Analysis, believe the plan to alter the state income tax to 2.75% flat tax would deepen inequality, and they join school boards, municipalities, counties, and other organizations in opposition to the plan. Quote, cutting taxes will certainly not improve inequality since much of the benefits will be felt by higher income individuals. On top of that, required cuts to services to balance the budget may disproportionately hurt lower income households. That's according to Curtis Reynolds. He's a professor at Kent State University. However, Greg Lawson, research fellow at the Buckeye Institute, he recently testified before the House Ways and Means Committee and may see the flat tax differently, and that's why we have him here this morning. Greg Lawson, welcome to the Bruce Hooley Show. How are you, sir? Doing very well. Thanks for having me, and happy to talk about this uh, important issue. It's uh, a big debate uh, here in Ohio in the in the House, and uh, actually they've they've put a modified version of House Bill One into 
their initial take on the state budget that was unveiled in the last couple of days. And uh, there's some, some tweaks to it that uh, aren't ideal uh, and need to be modified, but uh, in order to actually get it to a full flat tax. But uh, look, flat tax is the right thing to do. It's fair for everybody. Mm-hmm. And this is also about being pro-growth and looking at the overall tax uh, situation in the state of Ohio, which a lot of folks forget. Uh, you can't just look at the state tax rates, which have fortunately been going down uh, under several different governors and the, and the general assemblies, but we have a significant issue in Ohio that most states don't have. We have a very complicated, very cumbersome local tax structure that is unlike anything that any other state has. And so as we look at reforming the state tax, we really need to look at that in relationship to the overall burden, which also includes Ohio's uniquely bad local taxes. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. We published an article. uh, I put it out on my social media platforms, and uh, that was one of the first things people talked about was property tax, local tax. So let's just kind of go back and and treat me like a kindergartner here, because in this sense, I really am. What is a flat tax and who would be affected if it did pass? Sure. Uh, it's basically a, a single tax rate for every individual that are, is paying an income tax here in the state of Ohio. Uh, so you, right now we have what is characterized as a progressive tax. So you have different brackets. And once your income hits a certain threshold, you get jumped up into the higher bracket. In that sense, it's a lot like how the federal tax system works. Uh, We used to have a lot more brackets than we do now. And again, I think that's one of the things the state has done pretty well at over the last 20 years, has been trying to reduce uh, the number of brackets, the complexity of the tax code, while also lowering rates. Uh, But what a flat tax does is simpler than, than that. You know, as long as you have multiple brackets, there's kind of confusion about how much money somebody makes, and then they kind of jump into this higher bracket, and that can create uh, some disincentives for individuals, uh, you know, to sometimes take a, a promotion that's a slight pay increase, but maybe not a huge pay increase, because then what happens is they don't get paid enough to offset the fact that they're in the higher tax bracket. Now they have to pay additional taxes on the dollars that they earn. So that's one of the challenges of the progressive tax. Now, that's what a lot of folks, you know, on the more left side of the equation want. They want progressive taxation Mm -hmm. because they think that that is how you obviously uh, create fairness. But uh, from our perspective, we want economic opportunities. We want to be able to grow the economy, create jobs for everybody in the state of Ohio, and move everybody up the income ladder. And uh, taxes are disincentivize that. Mm -hmm. Uh, As Ronald Reagan said, if you want less of something, you tax it. And so when you tax income, you're going to eventually create issues for individuals uh, making choices. And if you look at uh, economic experts and tax analysis from not just America, or, uh, much less Ohio, but around the world, uh, you'll see that it's almost invariably the case that when you uh, reduce taxes on income, you see more growth in GDP. And obviously, there's questions about how that gets distributed to individuals and things, but you're, you're not going to have more jobs and more opportunity if you have a stagnating economy. And so that's really what we're looking at here, is how do we make that happen? Uh, and again, I think a lot of times people look at just the state taxes in isolation, and some of the economists I think that you were referring to earlier mm-hmm. uh, are, are looking at that in isolation and not looking at how 
the overall burden and the complexity here in Ohio interacts with each other. So uh, I got married on Friday, and I uh, am, get to be a bonus dad to two kids and uh, my wife, a bonus mom to my daughter. And uh, they're all at the age where, you know, the movie Encanto is something that they've watched a lot in the last year. And one of the songs in that movie is, we don't talk about Bruno. Well, I, one of the things we don't talk about is it's not a bad thing if the government gets less dollars. What, what, it, to me, it's almost like we have people, professors probably in positions uh, in institutions uh, funded by tax dollars and, you know, government workers who are kvetching and saying, hey, don't don't take away our lifeline. Uh, why don't we talk about slimming down the government? Well, we do. I, I, you know, I issued a report recently called the Piglet Book uh, from the Buckeye Institute that looks at spending reductions uh, that we should do from the governor's initial budget, mm-hmm. and we do that every budget cycle. Uh, and and because that's absolutely right, there are some things that people expect government to do. There are certain roles that it has, in particular in public safety, uh, you know, and things of that nature. But we need to be very careful when we're spending. And this is the problem that Ohio has. We spend a lot per person in the state of Ohio. When you compare, and, and it's not always fair to do direct comparison, so this isn't you know, exactly a, a, a completely fair analysis, an, analysis, but when you look at how much we spend, we spend way more per person in Ohio than the state of Florida does. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, obviously, Florida is a very different state. It's obviously got a much different geography and things like that, but I, I would say that a lot of people would probably, uh, I'm sure somebody would complain, but... Are people in Florida not getting services that they absolutely need, uh, and yet they're able to get those services at a fraction, really, of the cost uh, of what we're spending in Ohio? And that is the issue. What do people really need? Mm-hmm. Let's make sure we're funding those things. But when we start talking about a whole host of other stuff that we do, uh, you really shouldn't be doing it. Should we be spending money on an arts council that, uh, you know, makes grants to artists from with state tax dollars that every Ohioan puts into the uh, into the revenue stream. Uh, you know, people want to do that. They should they should be free to give to charities and things like that. And if local taxpayers decide at a local level that they want to do something, then that is certainly their prerogative to make local decisions. But is that something that every taxpayer in the state of Ohio should be doing? Uh, that's just one small example. But when you start looking at all of these small examples over time, they do add up. And there are real questions about whether or not that's what government should be in the business of doing. And so we need to be very, very careful about that because every time the government is spending money, it means it's money that an individual isn't spending that's uh, right. to maybe build a business, do something new, uh, maybe hire somebody. Uh, and, you know, while government hires some folks, uh, they ultimately have to live off of the earnings of everyday Ohioans who aren't government workers. And that's just the fundamental nature of the situation. Uh, so the more you take out of the private economy, uh, the more challenging it's going to be to be a prosperous state. And 